listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today I want to uh, do something with you that I think is extremely important to talk about. And uh, I'm asking the question and answering the question, why are miracles important? Good morning, Brother Ted. Why are miracles important? And um, it's, it's, an, it's a very important question to answer. Uh, one reason for that is because there are people who say that miracles are not for today. And I'm going to break that down. Um, but why are they important? Um, and as you're logging on, Hey, welcome, welcome, Melissa. Welcome everybody that's jumping on. Uh, take a minute to share the broadcast today. Uh, and I appreciate it, but we're going to answer the question. Why are miracles essential even for today? And I know that there are those that are called, and if you don't know this term, don't worry about that, but there is a term called a cessationist. And all that means is that they believe that the Holy Spirit has ceased in his working, his operation, now that we're in the New Testament church. Their argument is that because the apostles have died and the apostles worked miracles so that they could prove that they were sent by Jesus to establish churches, and because we have the full Bible given to us now, which they didn't have back then, that uh, we don't need miracles anymore because now we have the word of God and the church has already been established. But that's not true. And I'll break that down today, but I'm going to give you three very important reasons today why uh, miracles are essential, even in the church in modern day, in modern day. So I'm going to guide you through three of these things, and then we're going to talk about it because this is not only something that we need, something that's essential, but something we should be seeing all the time. We should be seeing the supernatural power of God in operation all the time. And so the first thing I want to do with you is uh, I want you to turn with me to uh, the gospel of John. And I want to go to the 10th chapter, if you will, the gospel of John, uh, chapter 10. Now here, Jesus is in one of those positions once again, where they're, they're getting ready to, uh, they want to kill him. They want to murder him once again. And so he's dealing with that because (laughs) these religious people are upset about what he's teaching. Um, and so if you turn to John chapter 10, Uh, I'll read starting with verse number uh, 27. Actually, you know what? Let's bump back up verse 25. And Jesus says this. Now listen, I'm going to break this down. And this is why they were so angry with Jesus wanted to kill him. Starting with verse 25, Jesus answered them. uh, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. Get this. 
but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Now look at this, verse 30. I and the Father are one. That was too much for them. Look at this, verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, It's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Now, this next portion of Scripture is going to be very important to what we're talking about today. Get it now. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and Scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you're blaspheming because I said I'm the Son of God? If I Now look at, now get this, verses 37 and 38, very, very important. Mark them in your Bible, put them in your notes. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Get that right there. So important. Jesus is making the point. You may not believe the message that I'm preaching, but the thing you can't deny is the works that I'm doing in the name of my Father, his miracles. So Jesus points to his miracles and says, these are proof that the Father is in me and that I'm in the Father. So the first important reason that miracles are essential, the first vital purpose of miracles, as we see it in this passage, is that they were a proof of the ministry of Jesus and the identity of Jesus. So that's number one. They, they are proof of the identity of Christ, that he's not just another man, that he was the son of God. So he, he not only did he preach it, but notice this phrase. He said, though you don't believe me, believe the works. So immediately he points to his works, that he is the son of God. Okay, so we, we keep on going with that same thought. Um, and we look at John chapter 2, and you'll understand that in the gospel of John, the same thing happens, right? So in John 2, if we just go back eight chapters, you can see the proof. Because look at verse, if we go down and look at verse uh, 23, the Bible says in John 2, 23, yeah, it's only hearers, Linnea. Be, be ye hearers of the word and not doers. Um, Jesus says this, or, or this is said about Jesus. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs, get that, that he was doing. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So notice, 
when Jesus performed miracles, signs, and wonders, then it, was, it became the proof that he was the Son of God. And they believed in his name. So it actually brought them in when they saw those miracles and those signs and those wonders. So uh, another, another place that we need to really point out today, Luke chapter 7. Very, very important. Because this is another one of those places in the New Testament where we need to catch this. So we, we covered John 10, 25 through 38. And now we're going to cover Luke 7. 18 through 23. These are, these are passages where Jesus is pointing to miracles. Notice that. People act like miracles aren't important. Jesus is pointing to miracles as the proof that he's the son of God. So don't say you can't act like miracles aren't important because in the first, at the first level, at the first phase, we have to understand that Jesus used those miracles as the proof he was the son of God. So let's read it. Verse 18. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. This is Luke 17, 18, uh, 7, 18. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, now look, what, look what's in question here. Look, at, look what's in question. Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Notice, looking for the Messiah. Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us uh, to you saying, are you the one or who is to come or shall we look for another? In that hour, in that hour, look at verse 21. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. Verse 22 is important here again. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Okay, so here we are. Christ is doing the same thing. When they ask the question, are you the Messiah? Or do we wait or look for someone else? Notice what his answer was immediately. In that hour that they asked the question, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits and made people that were blind able to see. And then said to them, now you go tell John, what you've seen and heard, the blind receive their sight. Lame walk, lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, dead are raised up, poor have the... So what he's doing is he's using his miracles, the miracle working power that he has to answer the question. He said, of basically it's, it's rhetorical, if you will. Of course, of course I'm the one. Look at what I'm doing. It's the same thing he said to the Jews. If you don't believe what I preach, at least believe the works that you may know that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, right? And so the same question is being answered now. It was answered first to the, or later to the Jews, but first to his disciples. You see that? So, of course, I'm the one. Look at the miracles. Look at the signs. Look at the wonders. And so it's very important to 
start off by saying, yes, miracles are important. I mean, even if we backed it up and went into the Old Testament, miracles were important because they were the signs that the prophets did, that people let them know, that let people know they were from God. Signs and wonders were done by the prophets. Why? To show people we are sent from God. And then Jesus comes on the scene, who's also a prophet, who's also the Messiah. And he points to those uh, works, same exact pattern, and says, these are the proof that I am the Son of God. And then, here's here's what's awesome as we go into this next level. We know he's the Messiah because of what he says, his fulfilled prophecy, and the miracles which he did, but... Then he goes on and calls out his disciples and he empowers them. Now, here's where we get to the place where we start to uh, uh, look at it and see, well, people say, well, you know, miracles are no longer important today. Jesus did them uh, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't disagree with what I'm teaching you for point one. You know, Jesus did those miracles. They were proof that he was the Messiah. They were proof that he was the son of God. Yes. And then number two, they were proof of the apostles office, those that Jesus called. That was the second level, not just proof of Jesus, who is the Christ, but number two, it is proof of apostleship, proof of the office of an apostle knowing, okay, Christ has sent this person. Christ has sent this person. So when you look at the ministry of the apostles this is one of the uh, this is one of the ways that you knew that these were men of god sent by christ to establish churches to preach the word i'll go to second corinthians 12 and the bible says in verse 11 i'm going to read verses 11 through 13 i've been a fool paul said you forced me to it for i ought to have been commended by you For I was not at all inferior to these super apostles. He's being sarcastic. Even though I'm nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. Right? So I'll stop there. Verse 12. The signs of what? A true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. Signs and wonders and mighty works. So here we have the proof of apostleship. So how do you know that these men were apostles sent by Christ? Because remember something, in the early church, there were all kinds of false apostles going out. False apostles that were teaching a different gospel, a different doctrine than those that the apostles of Christ were teaching to the churches. And in fact, um, in the book of Galatians, the whole letter to the Galatians is written to them to rebuke them for believing a, a gospel, a quote unquote, that is no true gospel, Paul says, that were being taught by heretical teachers uh, in the church. And so he, he's rebuking the Galatians for so easily and quickly r- believing another gospel. 
than the one the true apostles taught. So how do you know someone's a true apostle? According to Paul, he said the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with patience, signs and wonders and mighty works. So Jesus empowered his apostles before anyone else to do the works that he called them to do. And uh, he begins to use them. Now, they begin to perform signs and wonders while Jesus was still alive on the earth. And they did it under the authority of Christ, right? They did it under the authority of Christ. He gave them power. He set them apart, called them out, gave them power to perform miracle signs and wonders. But he had to transition the way that he used them after he left the earth, right? This is why he told all of those that were his followers to go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Power. Now they needed power. So they weren't going to operate only under Christ's authority anymore. Now it was going to be by the power of the Holy Ghost. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that took place for the first time on the day of Pentecost. And so Jesus was empowered to do this work. And then the apostles were empowered to do this work. And this was a sign, especially, now this is one thing that the skeptics of miracles are were right about. This is the way that God validated his prophets, uh, excuse me, his apostles as they were establishing the early church. And you see all these churches springing up around the, uh, the world and the word of God's coming to them. And they, you know, people act like they didn't know what was going on. You know, pe people act like, well, they didn't know they were writing the Bible. And they did that's, that's not true at all. In fact, Peter himself was recognizing Paul's letters as scripture already. Already. In Peter's lifetime, he was recognizing Paul's letters to the churches as scripture. Absolutely. And people don't know that. And they act like, you know, they act like it's a big, uh, <laughs> you know, they act like it's a big mystery. Like they had no idea what was going on. Let me, let me read it to you. If you've never heard that, if you didn't know that Peter validated Paul's letters as scripture before anybody, quote unquote, uh, decided what scripture would be, let me read it to you. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 3. Um, and I'll read with, uh, starting with verse 15, and I'll read verse 16 as well. 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16. Listen to Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, validate Paul's letters as scripture. Bible says this, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him. Verse 16, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in, uh, in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. See what he's doing here? He's referring to Paul's letters as scriptures because he said the same thing they're doing to Paul's letters they do to the other scriptures, saying Paul's letters are scriptures. So 
even Peter understood that they were writing not something that they were just coming up with, not something that they were just uh, had an idea to write. These, there was an understanding among these men that they were being inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because in this very same letter that I just read to you from, 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 says, in verses 20 and 21, it's the same author, Peter. Knowing this, first of all, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of a man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They understood that. Nothing comes from the will of a man. It comes from God. And they were recognizing God's using us to do something here. God's using us to do something unnatural that we've never done before. And they were recognizing it. So, yes, these were apostles, Peter, Paul, the other apostles, that God had anointed so that they could establish the Christian churches throughout the world and, um, and teach those churches and instruct them. And if need be, correct them, reprove them, give them direction. And so miracles were a sign of the apostles' authority. They were a sign of the apostles' authority. Well, then what happens? Then the, the day of Pentecost comes. And as the day of Pentecost comes, the every believer that was present was filled with the Holy Spirit baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. They begin to speak with tongues. I think it's interesting to note as well that uh, anybody that we have a picture of in the New Testament that was filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts, they all spoke with tongues. All of them did. It's important to, it's important to notice this. In every passage in the book of Acts where someone was filled with the Holy Ghost, the entire group in that passage that was filled all spoke with tongues. So I don't know what this argument that everybody has that, you know, well, not everybody that's filled with the Holy Ghost will speak in tongues. You know, you hear some people teach stuff like, well, you know, the real sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is that you start to walk in love. And so, no, that is not the real sign. That should be a sign. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit, but is not the initial evidence. Initial evidence in every categorical place uh, in the book of Acts was that they spoke with tongues. In Acts chapter 2, they all spoke with tongues. In Acts chapter 10, they all spoke with tongues. In Acts chapter 19, they all spoke with tongues. The only uh, place where it's not specifically mentioned but definitely implied is Acts chapter 8 in Samaria. But at the same time, the Bible still tells us that every new believer in Samaria, when Peter and John laid their hands upon them, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, every last one. And there was obviously some sort of an outward expression after they were filled, because, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit is an inward work. So you don't see anything on the outside unless they were sp speaking in tongues. And Simon the sorcerer saw it and saw that they had been filled with the Holy Ghost. How can you see that someone has been filled with the Holy Ghost? 
How can you see that? You can't see it unless we compare scripture with scripture and see that the same thing that happened to all the other believers in the other three passages happened to these believers as well. Now it's inferred. It is a, a, an argument from silence, as some would call it. But something had to be visible on the outside that Simon the sorcerer could see that would make him want to buy this power. And of course, we believe that they were speaking in tongues because they were filled with the Holy Ghost. So that, that now remember this, uh, speaking in tongues is not the reason that you get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the initial sign that you are filled, but it's not the reason to be filled. In fact, Jesus gives us the reason to be filled in Acts chapter 1. When they recount the message of the, the words of the Lord who said, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power. And then you'll be my witnesses. Right? And so the, the main reason to receive the Holy Ghost is to receive power. The power of God's Spirit. Did you know that that's what happened when Jesus received the Holy Ghost? He produced no miracles in his life until he got filled with the Holy Ghost at the age of 30 after being baptized in the Jordan River by John. The Bible says in Luke 4, 1, and then he was led into the Spirit full of the, led by the Spirit into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. And then after 40 days of prayer and fasting, he returned from the wilderness in the power of the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus didn't do anything ministerially Powerful, no miracles until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. The apostles, same thing. Until the power of God came upon them through Christ, nothing. So you can see very clearly that the Holy Spirit gives you power. Power over the devil. Power over every evil work. So uh, I know, I know, Chrissy, this is just audio only today. I'm in, I'm in the hotel in uh, Tennessee. But notice, he gives you power over the Holy Ghost. So here's the deal. We move on to the third level uh, of why it's so important that miracles take place. Number one, it testified to Jesus and who he was. Number two, it testified to the apostles and who uh, they were. But then notice that there was an explosion of power in the early church. Notice that it wasn't just the 12 apostles, even before Jesus died. It wasn't the 12 apostles only that were doing these things. The Bible says 70 returned to Christ, testifying, right? Even the devils are subject unto us. That wasn't the 12. That was the 70. And that was before the cross. That was before the day of Pentecost. So there were more than 12 apostles doing the works. So you get to... After the cross, after the resurrection, after the day of Pentecost, and you start to realize miracles are now exploding. Miracles are happening throughout the book of Acts. And you can see that, yes, the, the name of the book, the Acts of the Apostles. But notice that Christians were empowered to do the work of God. Christians, uh, Jesus uh, speaking, and again, I'll, I'll reference the Gospel of John. We go to John chapter 14, and uh, Jesus is teaching, and uh, 
he makes this promise in the 12th verse. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also, get this, not the apostles. I know he's talking to the apostles, talking to Philip. He's talking to uh, Thomas. He's, he's, yes, he's talking to the apostles, but listen to what he says. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me, so not just the apostles, but whoever believes in Christ will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. What was the point of him saying that? He's going to send the Holy Ghost, right? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so he said, the greater works than these will he do because I'm going to be with the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. So notice, he's not just talking about the apostles here in the 14th chapter. He's talking about anyone who believes in him. That's every Christian. You can't believe in him and not be a Christian. Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. You can't believe on him and not be saved. So he's talking about anybody that believes in me. Well, what did he do? He sent the Holy Spirit so that we could be empowered to do the works of Christ. And notice this, that uh, the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. Now, there are people who truly will have a hard time reading this Great Commission uh, version in the, the end of Mark. They have an issue with it. And they'll say, well, you know, well, then how come if you believe that, then why don't you see this is where if you have ever been to the, you know, any of the churches, if you've ever seen it, even people make fun of it. Uh, some of the Pentecostal churches in the Appalachian Mountains, you know, the hillbilly, they call them redneck churches where they bring out, you know, snakes and boxes to handle and they drink strychnine to prove that Mark chapter 16 is true. Well, that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. And though even in the early church, uh, maybe second century, People, uh, you know, skeptics were using this passage to challenge Christians. Well, if you really believe the Bible, then drink poison. That's not what this is about. That's not what it's about. Um, go into all the world. Proclaim the gospel to the, all of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. The new believers. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So do you think that it means that, I mean, what's the purpose? Do you see, uh, let me ask you a question. Do you see the apostles running around in the, in the New Testament as, as a proof that they are apostles, just picking up snakes, poisonous snakes? Do you see, do you see them doing that? Do you see them doing that anywhere? Is that what Jesus did? No. Uh, do you see the apostles running around drinking poison? Do you see the, the, the Jesus never went around and said, let me prove to you I'm anointed. Dr bring me poison. 
He didn't do that. The apostles didn't do that. And the Christians didn't do that. This is a different story. Now look, the Bible says they'll pick up servants with their hands. Uh, you look at what happened in Acts 28 with Paul on the island of Malta. This, to me, is more of what this is talking about. Here we are where a venomous serpent does bite Paul actually in the hand. And they all expected him to die. But notice Paul, anointed by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, shakes the, the serpent off into the fire. Well, why? He was full of the Holy Ghost and the Lord was protecting him. And though he should have died, one translation said they'll handle snakes with safety. So he didn't die, should have died, but the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit protected him. It, you know, they'll, uh, here, here it says in the New Testament, they'll drink any, if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Well, that would not be me running out drinking poison to prove the Bible's true. That's the same thing the enemy, that's the tactic that the enemy used against Jesus in the wilderness. You know, if you're truly the son of God, you know, if you're truly the son of God, whatever. That's not why we do it. That's not at all why we do it. But what if somebody was trying to poison the early Christians? What if somebody was trying to poison the apostles and the poison will not kill them? Well, we know there were all kinds of assassination attempts. But, but think about this. I was thinking about it when I read this earlier. You know, not long ago, somebody tried, and many of you have heard me reference, um, is anybody else losing sound? Or is it just Lenan? Because I, I, see your, I see your comment, but I don't think anybody else has, has mentioned that. Anybody else losing sound? If not, Lenan, just go out and back in. Um, but you've heard me reference Pastor Enoch Adeboye, uh of the largest denomination of Christian, of Pentecostal Christians. You look at these people, uh, over a million what was it when they have their Holy Ghost service? Over 2 million people in attendance, right? A couple of years ago, and he was like 71 or two, somebody tried to poison Pastor Adeboye. Somebody tried to poison him. I think they've tried to poison his soup to kill him. And he came right through it. Did not die. Did not die. Did not die. The Bible says drink deadly poison will not hurt them. He's still preaching. He's still alive. And so these are, this is speaking of God's protection over his people. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So it's not talking about apostles here. It's talking about believers, just like John 14. If anyone believes in me, the works that I do, they'll do also. And notice that those works, that, those, that, that supernatural working of Christ's power what, what's, the, what's the third point? Why is it important? Number three, it is proof that Jesus is alive. That's the proof in our day. It's the proof that Jesus is alive and that his word is true. This is so powerful. People need to get this. It's proof that Jesus is alive and that his word is true. As one preacher said, a miracle is settles the issue. A miracle settles the issue. 
You ought to put that in the comments today. A miracle settles the issue. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You can argue with anything you want. You can't argue with a miracle. You cannot argue with a miracle. I keep miracle testimonies in my phone. I've told you before, I'll keep them right in the camera roll. So that if anybody comes to me like, that stuff's not real, that's all fake. Oh, really? Well, let me give you, um, and I've not watched it yet. I'll say, let me give you proof that it is not fake. Let me show you. <laughs> Attested to by hospitals. A miracle settles the issue. In fact, I just saw this. I've not got a chance to watch it yet. But apparently there's a, a, a documentary that just came out called Send Proof. Maybe you guys have heard of it. I'd never heard of it. It's called Send Proof. I think I'll watch it at some point just to see what's up. But it's 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 produced by a guy that that uh you know worked as in pastoral role. He has a degree in psychology and philosophy, um, has a degree in apologetics, religion, science, and he did this to produce the proof of miracles for people that are skeptics. So he has he has uh, healing ministries. He has skeptics uh, of evolutionary philosophy, professors people that have written against miracles, medical historians. Then he's got apologetics people, theologians, and then researchers as well, interviewing them all and then telling people's testimonies and showing the proof of miracles. Uh, be very interesting to watch it. Uh, if you want to find out more, you can check it out at sendproof.com. I've not seen it yet, so I can't uh, attest to it. I don't, know, I don't know what it's like, but it'd be an interesting watch. That's for sure. I'm going to watch it at some point. You can stream it apparently. Uh, for 25 bucks, you can buy it and stream it whenever you want. Sendproof.com. Um, be interesting thing to see. Uh, and I know my friend Kevin Chamberless has also produced two documentaries. on uh, One on the power of salvation, one on the power of healing miracles. And um, I was a part of that with him as well. So you can check out his as well. So miracles are vital. So what do they do today? As one minister said, miracles are the dinner bell to the lost. Miracles are the dinner bell, hey Tim, to the lost. So what does that mean? It, it calls people to Christ. In the same way, you go to Acts chapter 8. Notice this. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, Acts chapter 8. The Bible says um, that Philip went down to Samaria because there was persecution in Jerusalem. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria, proclaimed to them the Christ and the crowds. Now, now this is an important verse, verse six. This is Acts eight, six and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. What kind of signs? Unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. Many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was much joy in the city. So notice what caused people to listen to him preach. It was the signs and the wonders that he did. Notice about Jesus. Many believed on his name. When what? They saw the miracles which he did. Important. So, uh, 
Miracles are proof that Jesus is alive and his word is true. And you don't have to be a Christian to receive a miracle. That's the powerful thing. You know, we've seen it take place where people come in, especially in these tent meetings or outdoor meetings, people come right off the streets. They're not serving the Lord. Some are drug dealers. There's been prostitutes that have come under the tent. And then the power of God will heal them. And they don't even know what to say. They don't. I, we've seen it where somebody gets healed and they say a curse word because they don't know what else to say. They're so blown away by the fact that the miracle happened. They don't know. They're not Christians. You know, they're, they're from the streets. They just like curse because they don't know, they don't know what else to say because they're not saved yet. And think of it this way. Nobody Jesus healed was a Christian because you couldn't be a Christian yet. Nobody Jesus healed was a Christian. They were all sinners. So you don't have to be a Christian to receive a miracle. And miracles are the dinner bell for the lost. Miracles are the dinner bell for the lost. And so we need to see miracle signs and wonders. Now, there, there's a, a big apostasy, uh, not just from people leaving the faith, but from people backing away from the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost. We have never stopped being Pentecostal. We've never been embarrassed of Pentecost and never will be. Never will be. And I, I feel it's extremely important, especially in these final moments of time, that uh, we press in to the power of the Holy Ghost. Because there is a biblical prophecy surrounding this. If you go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'll get ready to pray for you here, but, but look at this. Not only will there be godlessness, uh, and, and Paul prophesies it to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all the things people will become in the last days. The lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But look at verse 5. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. So notice this. In the last days, there are going to be people that they have an appearance of godliness, but deny the power of godliness. And so we're not supposed to have anything to do with that type of person. And so it says, turn away. We need miracle power in evidence now more than ever. Jesus is coming and people need to see the reality of the power of Christ. The reality of it. And so the only way we're going to show them the reality, yes, the preaching of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But notice, Paul the Apostle said, and this will be the last verse that I read to you. This is found now in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look what the Apostle said about when he came to the Corinthians. He said, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of of God. There it is. In the power of God. So important to understand that the power of God is necessary to demonstrate the gospel message. 
We demonstrate the gospel message. Hallelujah. We demonstrate the gospel message with what? Signs and wonders and miracles. It's needed. It's needed in 2022. It's needed more than ever before. Jesus is getting ready to come. And I want to pray. Like you, Maybe you, in your whole life, you've never seen God use you in that realm of the miraculous. Maybe you've never laid your hands on one sick person. Maybe you've never stepped out in faith to minister to somebody. I'm praying today that God would give you a supernatural boldness and an urgency to step out and minister, knowing that you're full of the Holy Ghost, full of God's power and his ability to do what he's called you to do. The works that he did, you will do also. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for filling us to overflowing. Today, I ask you that you would not only uh, give boldness to your people, but I pray, Lord, that you would give them opportunities and give them an urgency to step out and do the works that you've called them to do. We thank you for your mighty Holy Spirit. We give you praise that you're using every one of us. We give you glory, Lord, because that Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and quickens our physical bodies today. And so, Lord, we will be those that produce evidence that Jesus is alive. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We give you praise. Amen. That's right, Glenn. Not all arguments can be made logically. The power of God is necessary, and that's absolutely right. And when you, you could argue with somebody all day, but when the power of God touches them, it opens their heart right up to receive the gospel message. It's absolutely right. Absolutely right. As I said at the beginning, we are in Johnson City, Tennessee, under the new big gospel tent. And uh, full last night, added chairs, people healed, people saved. We're live again tonight. Now, we're live on my father's Facebook page. If you want to watch the services, you can go to Ted Shuttlesworth-Faith Alive on Facebook and YouTube and watch these services live each night at 7 o'clock Eastern time. But I want to encourage you to sow a seed today into what God's doing around the world. And maybe you've never taken a moment to partner with me and Carolyn but I want to encourage you to partner with us. Go to MiracleWord.com and you can either click the Give page or you can click on the Partner page and stand with us on a monthly basis. I love you guys. Appreciate what the Lord is using you to do in this generation. Also, I just got a text from my wife. And uh, apparently, for a very short period of time, we have brand new uh, Victory Tribe Yetis in the store with a new color, yellow, for the spring summer. I've never seen this color before. I think it's brand new. The yellow, yellow Victory Tribe Yeti is in the store. I know there's only a limited amount, so it's going to be first come, first serve on the yellow Victory Tribe Yetis. Uh, so go grab them before they're gone. Shop.miracleword.com. Or if you just go to miracleword.com, you can click on that shop um, button in the menu and head straight there. Uh, I don't know how many are available, but I know when they do colors like this, they're limited. So grab one before they are gone. I will see you tonight at 7 o'clock. We'll be live all week. Um, either me or Carolyn every morning this week, 10.30 a.m. Don't miss it. I love you guys so much, and thank you for hanging with me. And I'll talk to you again very soon. Later.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.